0: Nathan Koskovich. We're going to talk to Jeffrey a little bit about his father, J.W. Robinson, who was a a prominent architect in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in Atlanta, I suppose his career. career. Right. Um, Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about where your father grew up?
1: Father grew up in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. a little area called Georgetown, South Carolina. Okay. He was born in Hartsville, and his family moved there when he was a child.
0: Really little, yeah. Yeah, he was small. Um, okay, and he 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 would later go on to go to uh, Hampton Institute of Technology to study architecture. Right. What did uh, did you ever talk about how he first got interested in studying architecture?
1: Well, my father, um, he was the he, he was he was raised by his mother and his aunt. Okay. Uh, due, due to his passion for art and carpentry and construction and mathematics and geometry, he was a. Uh, interested in building things. Mm -hmm. His Aunt Janie recognized his passion and encouraged him to look at, to architecture. So he went to, to do that, he chose Hampton Institute, which is now Hampton University, where he graduated in 1949.
0: Right, right, so he had that real kind of typical architect, like he's kind of artistic, but he's also kind of practical and likes to build things. Correct, correct. Yeah, and uh, you later went to Hampton also. Right. And where is that in Virginia? That's in Hampton, Virginia. Is that in the coastal area? Right, you know? in the Tidewater area. The Tidewater area, okay. Right. Beautiful campus. Okay. I'll have to go there sometime. <laughs> I've never been to the Tidewater. Right. My wife was born there. Her dad was in the uh, Navy. Oh, okay. So. Um, so, yeah, so he went to Hampton. He studied there. They had a – was that an accredited architecture? No, program he, he
1: graduated with a Bachelor of Science, but it was one of the only African-American schools in the country uh, who right. that, had, uh, that had architecture. It was a Bachelor of Science in Architecture it was his, right? his degree.
0: Right, right. So he, um, so he, uh, he went, went a couple states away to get that degree. Right, right. So from there, I guess when he graduated, he had to find a place to come work, and he ended up coming to Atlanta. That's correct. Uh, well, do you re- know what drew him to Atlanta? Just well, it o- was, it
1: was opportun- opportunity. Yeah. It, it, was, it was in Atlanta. So that's why he decided to come
0: here. Yeah, and this was—I guess—I I assume most people have figured out what the time frame is for this. But what—what what year about was R- it?
1: Nineteen forty-nine, nineteen fifty. Once he graduated Hampton, he came straight to Atlanta. Straight to Atlanta. Atlanta right. was a place with a lot of opportunities. Everything was day. happening in Atlanta, so that's where he wanted to be. Right, right. right, right. So
0: he picked out a, a good place to do business. Exactly. Um, so he, he's educated in architecture. He comes to Atlanta, mm-hmm. but it's it's pre-Civil Rights Atlanta, right. so there's that's opportunity. Correct. Right. So. Um, what exactly was that like? What what kind of barriers did he face to practicing as an architect?
1: Well, the main barrier he faced was racism, of course.
0: Yeah, I would assume. Uh, that, so.
1: that was a that in the South that was big. He was denied employment in his chosen field because of segregation mm-hmm. in the early fifties. Yeah, and became a had to become a public school teacher, and he taught at Booker T. Washington High School, where he taught mechanical drafting, and introduced his students to architecture. So he also uh, created a Uh, descriptive geometry course.
0: Okay so Uh, yeah, kind of complex geometry and drafting things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so and and to be an architect I think it was true then it's still now you have to practice under another architect for so many years. That's correct. If you're not going to be hired because you're African-American then you that's a pretty much shuts down your career options for a long time. That's that's right. Right. So, but your brother, your father did practice some during, he, he wasn't able to do public buildings and things like that, or banks, but he did do a lot of private homes, it sounds like?
1: That's correct. While he was teaching, he began designing homes for African Americans throughout uh, the city of Atlanta. Yeah. He, re- he realized African Americans could not go to many places for entertainment and recreation due to segregation, so he designed many homes which featured large recreational and entertainment spaces.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting to read, that that was, you know, there were public spaces, but they really weren't available for African Americans to use them, that's so correct. they had to supplement that with their own revenue and sources. That's so right, that's right. It affected what a, an African American house looked like.
1: That's correct, That which was what he was all about at that time. He, he was seeing all these things in Atlanta, he, places he couldn't go, and seeing that African Americans had, no, like I said, no place to entertain, so... The basement of the homes, as he started designing his home, became an entertainment center. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, 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 the basements featured large open areas where residents could have meetings, public gatherings, and parties. Right. They also featured bars, uh, full kitchens, and in some cases, indoor swimming pool. Oh, really? In the basement. That, in the house I'm referring to, is Herman Russell's house, who was a contractor. And that pool was very... In the Collier Heights area, which where a lot of these houses were designed, right? Uh, my father used to take my, my, my brother and myself on Sunday trips. We always ended up stopping last at Herman Russell House because that swimming pool was in the basement. It was just something to see in the early '60s. African american had a pool, and to be in the basement was something else.
0: It's kind of a crazy thing that nobody. That's correct. Yeah.
1: That's right. And Martin Luther King and Andy Young, those those persons, they 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 swam in the pool because it was it was uh it was it was private. So Martin Luther King could go there and swim.
0: So it became kind of the public pool of, of the African-American community because you couldn't go to the public pool, really. Right. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's really interesting, too, that they had these kind of public facilities in the homes so that you had some place to go and be social and gather as a group of people. That's um, correct.
1: That's correct. The house I'm in, like I said, I, I purchased. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a house designed by my father during that same time period oh, in, yeah. in the 60s. and. um that particular house featured a very open basement. You know, he, he spanned the, the basement with steel. So you don't have columns and things coming down into the space. So yeah, open space where you could have your big they used to have fraternity meetings there. Yeah, you parties. could have a
0: big meeting or a big party yeah, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. And uh Call Your Heights, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but it was a I believe it was the first community designed, financed, built, and purchased by African Americans in th- the United th- States. That's that's correct. Yeah, which is really extraordinary considering the the kind of barriers to financial support that the African American community felt at the time. It was, it was harder to borrow money. You couldn't. It wasn't as easy. To, so it really is a, a Herculean effort to put that together. That's correct. Um,
1: and you had you had a uh, a of uh, Citizen Trust, mm-hmm. who who financed a lot of the homes over there. Who also built his house over there.
0: And we may be getting ahead of ourselves, but your father designed the Citizen Trust. Headquarters building, right?
1: No, no. He he designed the Atlanta Life Insurance. Atlanta building. Life Insurance, right? Okay. It was a JV J.W. Robson Association, TBS Thompson Midland Steinbeck Association. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, in Collier Heights was early '60s. It was completed about. or, uh, or?
1: well, Collier Heights actually, it it it, it spanned from the '40s to the late '70s. Was when the, in this boom time. Right, right. Uh, a lot of the homes that were designed by my father in the area was designed in the Uh,
0: sixties and seventies. Right. And that's one reason why your your father's names come up. I've talked to some other architects of that generation where Atlanta really did boom coming, going through and coming out of the civil rights movement. It became a place to do business in the south that I think a lot of companies felt comfortable with. Right. Compared to other places. That's correct. um, So yeah, so your father's doing, he's teaching high school, making a living, doing private homes, which doesn't require you to be an architect. Um, who did he eventually end up uh, working under as a... Which, who was the registered architect who... who I mean, your father was relatively established at that time, but helped him meet that requirement to become a registered architect.
1: Well, that's a, that's a good question because, as you can imagine, no one really reaching out to give him support because of segregation. Right. You had a few. One was uh, Ike supporter architect. R- Maria supporter. Support he Yeah, right. yeah. He worked with Ike Supporter from 1958 to 1959, so he, uh, Ike was a was you know was one of the few who who uh, allowed him to work for him. Well, after su- Mr. Supporter, he worked with an uh, architect named Hubert Rollins. Okay. And Mr. He worked for Mr. Rollins from 1962 to 1967. Okay. Uh- and he's the one who actually uh, gave him the foundation to take that.
0: Test. To take the exams, you exactly, have to take, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, exactly. And I'm not familiar with Hubert Robbins. Do you know any any of the buildings he's done that might be still around? Hubert
1: Rollins, uh, I'm not familiar with all the buildings because I was a young, of course, I was in elementary school. The yeah, time. okay. I met Mr. Rollins before he passed. He passed in 1970. Okay. But Mr. Rollins, uh, the first major project my father did was Union Baptist Church. At that time, the name of his firm was called Rollins and Robinson. My father wasn't licensed at the time. Okay. So he was the one who sealed those drawings. My father designed the church as under, you know, Rollins and Robinson. Right, right. So right. We, your father did most of the work. And oh, then yeah. Your he, partner he, was he was a partner with Rollins. Right. Right, so right. And It's th- that right.
0: pretty common right. practice, actually. Yeah.
1: And then in 1967, he, he received his license, and then the firm uh, changed the name to Rollins and Robinson Architects.
0: Right, because you have to be careful how you use the word architect. That's correct. Right. He so was
1: licensed at that time. So that went on from 67 to 68 and then in 68 he changed the name to J. D. robson AIA architect
0: American Institute of Architects
1: right and that was really the reason he did that because at that time uh being African American it was first of all it was hard being accepted as an African American architect so right. you you had to be a member AIA to even uh, it was good to be a member of AIA just so you get some more recognition. So he used that in the name.
0: Right. Yeah. To this day, people still kind of see AIA as being synonymous with being a registered architect. That's correct. It's not necessarily true, but that, that's that right. kind of a stamp of approval, I guess. That, exactly. So yeah. he
1: had that. And then in 1970, it changed to what it is today, J.W. Robinson
0: Associates, Inc. Right, which... You today are practicing and, and doing work around the city.
1: That's right. Um, Next year we'll be celebrating 45 years as in business as J.W. Robson and
0: Associates. That's that's quite a feat to <laughs> be. We, uh I started my own practice, people congratulated me, and I said, "It's it's easy to start a business, right? It's hard to keep it going." Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, your father and I, I did a fair amount of commissions on pr- on private homes and around. Um, around the city uh, but he also stayed active in the community and supporting the community and one of the things he was a part of was founding uh, Noma the national organization of minority architects Um, right I wonder if you, you could talk a little bit about how Noma came about and what their vision and mission was for that organization
1: well at that time it was organized to fight discriminatory policies that limited or excluded minority architects from participating in design and construction projects right as you can imagine during that time um, you've been african-american first of all no one really wanted to accept you as an architect so a group of architects throughout the country got together and, and formed the organization and as a result of their working together they were able to break some of those barriers and uh at least sensitize and open doors for, right. for, for for that work so
0: so just the idea of trusting a, an african-american with a million dollar project just was People weren't willing to do that and and weren't willing to kind of give that a fair opportunity to, to take off so they wanted to start advocating for
1: right so they had to advocate for themselves and Norma did that
0: right pulling together to say Th-
1: that's right hey we you know we can do it matter of fact uh, good story my father the first city job he did here in the city uh-huh. was grandpa's swimming pool oh yeah 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 and that was done under Sam. myself was married at the time I was I was in elementary school when they had the, um, the groundbreaking well when they had the open house for it which was in the wintertime and they uh, brought a group of swimmers it must have been January or February all, all I remember there was ice on the water <laughs> I think they were called the polar bears I may be wrong but they came down and jumped in this pool and I, I thought all of them was you know crazy but they jumped in there in the middle uh, in this ice yeah and that was something to see but that pool, uh, the, re- the way he got the pool was that uh, you had aldermans there. Mm-hmm. And it was an uh, alderman, Alderman Dotson, who was telling me right, right, about how that worked. And, uh, of course, they weren't giving any African-American architects any type of work. And he had been you know, pushing, saying, so when are you going to give Robinson some work? Mm-hmm. And one day, uh, he said, well, where's this pool? He was talking to other aldermans. There's a pool out there. Can Robinson do the pool? So, well, Robinson has any experience doing a pool? Right. And uh, count, uh, Alderman Dotson made it simplified. I say, so, all oh, it is a hole in the ground with concrete in it. Yeah. You mean a, a, a black man can't do a hole in the ground with concrete in it? And that's how you know, under pool. That's
0: and, one uh, of the, the, the real barriers that African American architects I think, face too is you're never given a chance to do a project. And then they say, well, we're going to stop discriminating. Right. Do you have any experience with this? Well, no. Right. I've never, why would I? So. It was good to have uh, somebody advocating and, and pushing for that to get that experience and start that trail going. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so that
1: opened the door to a lot of the uh, city work that was being done in the seventies by my, this firm. When was that in the seventies? Right, that was in the seventies.
0: That pool was. So was Ivan Allen Mayor or no? It was Sam Cell. Sam Isell and mm-hmm. then. Then Maynard. Then Maynard was after right After that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, was your father involved in the Hartsfield Jackson work? Done right, in there? he
1: was a he was a very involved in the uh, Hartsfield uh, work. He during that time, of course, because
0: uh, uh, Maynard like doubled the capacity of that airport. Oh, Maynard, Maynard,
1: Maynard was phenomenal. He 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 was he pushed it. He really pushed it. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Maynard Jackson wanted to make sure that African Americans participated in a significant and meaningful manner yeah. on this this $500 million project.
0: Yeah, that was a major point of pride it, for Maynard in that.
1: Exactly. So he included architects, engineers, construction, contracting, legal, accounting, and concession operations. So that was all part of Maynard's vision. Yeah. And uh, in order to do that, my father uh, formed a, a, a firm called MAP which was uh, minority archi- uh, airport architects and planners. And yeah. it was formed by four African-American architects who were already was practicing on their own.
0: Right, okay.
1: And, and the founding members of, of MAP was, uh, of course, my father, J.W. Robinson, who was the president, mm-hmm. Louis Fry who was the vice president, William S. McDuffie, who was the corporate secretary, and uh, Leon Elaine which was the treasury. Okay. They formed MAP. Uh, Map then to form the joint venture. The joint venture partners were Stevenson and Wilkinson, okay, uh, Smith, Hitchman, and Grills, yeah, associates, and then Map.
0: And Steven and Wilkinson, I know, is a a firm with old Atlanta roots. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, right. So. Um, so the, the
1: the project was, you know, the airport at that time was very was very successful. They uh, finished the project on time and within budget. And do, my father told me, he said, uh, he stated that if MAP had failed and it's assigned task, that it would have been a death blow to affirmative action.
0: Right, right. If, if given this shot to do this big project right. and you don't do it, all the naysayers would say, well, we, we told you so, that you exactly. couldn't trust it. So he had more than his own financial responsibility as on the line. Exactly. He had a responsibility to, to, to get make, it right for every architect for every, that came along right. later.
1: Right. And that's something that we continue to this day, because we know that if, uh, you know, you, if you fail, it, it's not just this company, it reflects all. It reflect on all uh, African-Americans trying to come after you, because people look at it. Yeah, unfortunately, people still do. It. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So. yeah. He felt he had a responsibility to future generations that, of African American architects. That, exactly, and
1: he, that, he instilled that into all of us who were in mm-hmm. his firm.
0: And, be, it, and, and you're here, and it's not just you. Your brother's here practicing. Brother with you, and so. uh,
1: Stanley Jennings, who's been here for about forty years. All we, we're all principals.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: how many siblings do you have? Is it just you and your brother? Oh, well, my brother. and I have a
0: sister. Okay,
1: Janice Roberts. She's in Connecticut. Okay, she, right. she got she, out of town. She, she, yeah, she decided to do something other than architecture.
0: Well, some people <laughs> would say that was smart of her. But Well, good, and it's great that um, he's instilled that value and that it's continuing through right. to this day. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the projects he's done. I, I okay. think looking at some of them, you begin to see a little bit of a style that your father had. They seem to kind of... Uh, just similar things. I wasn't able to put a, f- a finger on it, but just looking at some of the pictures, uh, Bankhead Highway Fire Station 38 was one that's listed on his Georgia right, encyclopedia right. page. Right. Right. Um,
1: that was the first time uh, the city allowed an African American architect to do a fire station. Right. Right. And what was significant about it? It was the first time, but it also was recognized by the AIA, and it was so successful that the city of Atlanta continued to use the plan. On other stations now he didn't get paid b- for but one time right right but they 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 used that plan over and over again and it was a it was a definitely it was a, a great design
0: well I guess that cuts both ways it's it's uh nice to that they they appreciate the design it was exactly. nice to get a dollar on that uh, <laughs> on the reuse um the grand park swimming pool you talked about a little right bit. right right And the Atlanta Life Insurance Building, um,
1: Uh, uh, yeah, on Auburn Avenue.
0: On Auburn Avenue, and and was that an? They were an insurance company, I assume. Right, that was
1: insurance company. African American insurance was founded by African American slave.
0: Oh, so it goes all the way back to the 1860s, and they began providing insurance to the African American community. Exactly. Right. So again, you have to. The services aren't coming from from. The white community, no, so you have to provide yourself.
1: That's correct. And that was that is what Auburn Avenue was all about at the time. You had a lot of you had some of the um, most uh, African American business located on that street, than probably in the country. Yeah, was located on Auburn Avenue.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting that so many talented and educated African Americans ended up in that area in Atlanta, and and that leads to the civil rights movement. I, I think right. where you have so many talented, intelligent people. In such a close area, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so um, where's the Atlanta Life Insurance Building?
1: It's on the corner of Auburn Avenue and um, what's it Cortland Street.
0: Courtland. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. right downtown. Right. Yeah. Um, right
1: across from the Aub- uh, Auburn Avenue Research Library.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, out of my head now. Um, and then another project, actually, the Martin Luther Auditorium. King right. Ma- right. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Um, I knew that because one of the first projects I worked on was the Martin Luther King Jr. Community Center built right next to it when I was uh, fresh out of college.
1: Okay, my father designed that community center. The original just, one, or the, the original one—the th- one is not no longer there. Well, yeah, well, the sanctuary that that was designed as a complex. You had the Natatorium and the ML King Community Center. They were both, they were all white buildings okay. stretching across that. But he was the architect for that. That those projects.
0: Yeah, I was I was brought on during construction, so they tore that down. But the right. natatorium is a really nice, simple, kind of, kind of brutalist, but not quite style building right next right. to it. yeah.
1: Right. Uh, the, the natatorium was a very unique building in that it wasn't built from scratch. It actually is a renovation of an old garage.
0: Really? Yes. I would not have guessed that by looking <laughs> at it. <laughs> what happened was the city of
1: Atlanta, they did not really, there was the first natatorium, too, built in the city of Atlanta. Yeah, it was the best of my knowledge.
0: Like Olympic standards or something at the time, right. it was wasn't very, it?
1: Yeah, it was very right, yeah, it was very nice. Uh I don't know if it was Olympic standards, but it was a, you know, very high quality. high quality pool. The reason they it was renovated is that the city was didn't have the money to do a new building. Right. So, being a garage, they used the existing structure and basically cut a hole in the garage, put the put the pool in it, pool mm-hmm. in it, and it mm-hmm. kind of suspended, and then put a, a a a top on it. And that became your natatorium.
0: Was it your parking garage? Is
1: that what it? Was a, it was a garage, a mechanic's garage? Oh, a mechanic's yeah. garage. Right, 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 right. Wow. And uh, so that's what. They, now I know th- 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 they are having some issues today because I think the structure is is old. And, and, oh, and looking at fifty years old, exactly. Right, old. Old. Yeah. right, yeah. The, the original structure. It goes yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. Right, but that was a. Uh, it was a very unique design. It, it had a lot of light. Well, you know it has a nice view to the city
0: a lot of big windows big in it. windows yeah
1: and it was a great swimming pool my uh my daughter actually was on the my middle daughter was on the uh dolphins team and they used to swim practice at oh the pool. dolphins youth swim team right exactly. yeah i you see the to, bumper stickers around town exactly right yeah and they used to swim in that pool very it was a very, very nice pool my that's father was a swimmer too so he used to swim in that pool and and uh, grandpa he was a
0: well that's great, really great cool swimmer. to be able to go and enjoy the the buildings you helped design exactly too. There was an architect, I can't remember what he was say, what he's talking about, but hes it was a house he was doing for somebody. He said, I always wanted one of these, and he pauses. and said, I guess I still don't have one, but <laughs> I designed it for somebody. And I, I think your, your father's claim to fame, if you had to sum it up in one thing, is that he was the first African-American in the state of Georgia to be a fellow, fellow. of the American Institute of Architects.
1: Exactly, he was right. You know, he was uh, right. From the state of georgia
0: right i would heard he was the first registered architect but you you said over the phone that he, not quite not quite
1: yeah. uh yeah i think and i'm not sure it was um probably two other architects maybe right right in that same time period right right I had their registrations with my father there
0: right right so but um to become a, a fellow you have to achieve some special things in the profession exactly do you um do do you know exactly what specifically led to his fellowship? Any any particular achievements, or um, was it just in, in recognition of, of his tenure?
1: It was several things, uh, which was part of the FAA submill that we put in. But okay, but uh, his 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 contributions uh, uh, around the, the Atlanta and the state and the country uh, for that time period. It was very you know was very unique. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, he was he was recognized for changing communities during the time of segregation through design of those private homes with the ex- exceptional recreation spaces, which allowed for the, the socialization. Right. That was one of the one of the things.
0: So, design innovation in exactly. response to a, right a need in the community.
1: Correct. Uh, again, he was a he, he was a, he was a teacher. He taught for 15 years at Washington High School, mm-hmm. uh, so he inspired uh, many of his students to become lawyers, architects, engineers, and, and uh, mentoring them. Right. Uh, he also uh, smoothed the road for future architects by being a co-founder of National Association of Minority Architects.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, during that time, he forged two major uh, minority majority joint venture projects right. in Atlanta, showing uh, that such alliances could work to benefit the entire community. Uh, he was one of the first of two minority members of the Georgia World Congress Center Board of Governors, uh, contributing nine years of service, playing a pivotal role, in increasing Georgia's the tourism industry, and expansion of the Georgia World Congress Center. Right. And the development of the Georgia Dome.
0: Right. (laughs) That's a lot of building.
1: That's right. And then uh, he brought international claim to the Martin Luther King Jr. Historic District uh, from dream to reality using his leadership and professional skills. Uh, And according to Mrs. King, he had been in a... a, a, a energetic advocate for the community and its improvements. And of course one the, the first house or the first building on that street that he uh really worked on was the birth home but he wanted to preserve it.
0: That's right. That was something we um he did design a lot of new buildings but he ended up doing a lot of uh um historic renovation and preservation work also. Exactly. Yeah. So he's really getting everything uh design innovation. Service to the community, service to the profession, business innovation with minority-majority partnerships, and and uh, kind of touching on everything that an, that an architect could possibly touch on as a citizen and a professional.
1: Exactly. But, yeah. You know, and, and what made it that more comp that more, uh, much more complicated was the fact that he was doing this in the seventies, in the sixties during a time when he wasn't really being accepted. <laughs>
0: right, right, so yeah. So
1: he, he was uh, having to deal with things that uh, a lot of other uh, uh, people do not have to deal with.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, on top of all that, he right. had some extra weights to push out of exactly. the way. So, well, uh, this has been great. The whole kind of point of some of these interviews is to start... Uh, recording I, I think a generation of architects both black and white who not only contributed to the physical city we see today but a lot of the better things culturally in this city and uh, your father's name came to me as somebody who who did contribute in that way right. so thanks so much for taking your time to tell a little bit of your dad's story
1: well, thank you for giving me the opportunity I know if he was here he would be grinning
0: (laughs) good that's a good thing to be able to say um and best of luck to you guys and everything you do in the future all right great uh
1: thanks for the uh opportunity